Welcome to the Gone Nuclear segment of the Bavoshdan podcast with James and Sana. This is James going solo today, as I usually do for this portion of the podcast feed. But uh, I want to share with you an interview that I just did with my new friend, Brian O'Leary. Brian is the host of the O'Leary Review podcast, and he's also a co-member alongside myself in an accountability group in the School of Life that is was started by Tom Woods, who's a great libertarian scholar, uh, personality brand, just got a great podcast, a lot of great things going. And I was really excited to hear about these accountability groups. And I'm, I, I'm always looking for ways that I can hone my own abilities and maybe get people aware of services that I offer in the podcasting and the digital media sphere. And Brian is made a decision to just get out and just publish stuff and just talk. And, and, and sometimes you just need to get out there and just do stuff until you find your voice or you find what you believe is your calling. Sometimes it's as simple as just doing stuff. And then you kind of figure out what you should be doing or what, like a higher purpose, for lack of a better term. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's on a journey of discovery. And uh, we just had a great time uh, talking. And I, and I realized that since this was going on his show, I realized that this there's a lot of good information and people could learn a little bit about myself and we also talked a little bit about podcasting, and I think I was able to share something that resembles advice regarding podcasting and publishing and whatnot. But I will allow more discerning ears and minds than myself to decide whether that actually happened or not. So here is my conversation with Brian O'Leary, who you can find on the web at briandoleary.com. Well, welcome back to the O'Leary Review Podcast. Brian O'Leary here with you. Today, we're here with James Newcomb. Now, James is a fellow member with me of, uh, well, what something my, maybe my podcast has turned into, the uh, people from the Tom Woods School of Life. Because I, I say that uh, this podcast is about serious content amidst an unserious culture. And we, we have had some other people outside of Tom's orbit on the, on the show, but... Where better to find serious people and serious content than within the Tom Woods School of Life? And now I'm here with James Newcomb, and I just want to welcome James here today. Thank you, Brian, although I'll do my best to be serious, but I can't make any promises. Well, seriously, you, know, you can be a little lighthearted, but it's uh, serious content is what, uh, you know, we're, we're, seri- we're serious people. One of the best quotes I've ever heard is... Uh, uh-huh. General Douglas MacArthur, in his farewell address to the uh, cadets at West Point, if, if you ever uh-huh. have a chance to listen to that, get it. It's a great, great address. But one thing that he said that has stuck with me throughout the years is always be serious, but never take yourself too seriously. That's great. I, I wish I I wish I thought about that earlier, because one of the, one of the things is like <laughs> you're a little taken aback by, by my seriousness and going to take MacArthur's oh, yeah. advice. So, well, here, here's Brian, yeah, and sure. people are listening to this on audio, and he's sitting, I get on the Zoom call with him, and he's wearing this suit and a tie, <laughs> and and like... It's just a sport coat. Well, whatever it is, it looks like a suit to me, but most podcasters, they're like, if they comb their hair, they're, they think they're dressing up. Yeah. And here's Brian, he just takes himself way too seriously, so we'll see, we'll see how this goes. 
right. Fair enough. So I mentioned James that you uh, and and James Zach, and and I are in a, what do we call these accountability groups within. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tom Woods School of Life. We've had to do a bunch of, or I've had to do a bunch of changes of time. And then James is in now in my group, and we got to talking and said, "Oh, well, we have some a lot of similar interests, so let's get to, let's get to, get it on a podcast." So, James, what uh, how what led you to Tom Woods? I first heard of Tom Woods in 2005. I was a state okay. coordinator for an organization called the John Birch Society. People listening to this probably oh, yeah. have heard of it. Very, very little known outside of certain circles. Uh, they were very well known well, in the 70s. I was going to say, yeah, like little, little known now, but like you go back 60s and 70s for sure. The 60s and 70s, they were a force to be reckoned with. By the time I got involved with them in uh, like the early aughts, they, you know, they had dissipated considerably. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're still right. around and I still connect with yeah. some of the coordinators. Anyway, uh, okay. Tom spoke at, uh, an event that they put on and they had a recording of his speech and I played it for some of the members at some of the meetings that I attended as a coordinator. So that's how I heard of him. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that he was really, you know, sm- smart and well accomplished, obviously to be invited by mm-hmm. uh, an organization like the Birch Society. I just heard of him throughout the years, throughout books, the meltdown and just, just followed him very, very much at a distance. And then when I was in Korea in the military, I heard of his show. I think I was just surfing podcasts, and there's okay. the Tom Woods show. And I think I found him probably at episode 40. So I'm right. basically from the very beginning. I've been listening to his show, and I've uh, he and I have uh, exchanged emails. You know, it, Tom has changed quite a bit since just in the time that I've been listening to his show, as we all do over time. Right. And it, it's it's really interesting to see how his own career and his own uh, broadcasting persona, his public persona, has changed drastically just since the show started. But here we are. We both joined up this this school of life, which is phenomenal. It's wonderful. And the best thing for me is to see that there are more people than just Tom, you know, people who are smart, really bright. You, You get to see a little bit of the people that actually listen to his show and, and resonate with his me- his core message, and here we are enjoying each other's company and seeing that we're not alone in the way with, that we think. Yeah, and I, I actually had a brief chat with Tom yesterday, and I said, I said, Tom, you set this up, but you don't have a whole lot to do with it anymore. You you press the start button, and people went and and did what you wanted them to do, and created a community. And he's like, man, yeah, you know, I. Uh, can't pop into every group. It's like, well, yeah, there's too many of them, too many people now. But that's what happens when you have people who are motivated, and they and they and they have the fire burning inside, and they just need something to just light the spark. You saw a lot of that with the Ron Paul campaign in 2008. There's so many things. Like, there's no way a campaign could organize all that stuff, but people just took it upon themselves. Because and and it wasn't because they resonated with Ron Paul as much as just what he was standing for. It just had the, the the audacity to say things that no politician would ever say. Ron Paul, I, so I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time, and Ron Paul uh, came to uh, Vancouver, Washington, uh, once in the, which is right across the river, uh, in 2008, for the 2008 campaign. And then 
a little further north in, in a town called Ridgefield, where they have the fairgrounds there uh, in 2012. It The 2008 thing, honestly, was crazy. There were so many people. I couldn't even get into wherever they're, they're having the thing. And, and the the pop the amount of people like lined up around hotel or convention center in downtown Vancouver was nuts. He got out of there. I don't even know what he said. But he got out, and this is Ron Paul. I, he was like seventy year old man, uh, not very charismatic, but you know he had the words. People running after, running after the limo. You like, run, run, run. You know, and and he's just like waving outside. You know, I was like, man, when it's this big of a frenzy for for this guy or the message, how does he not get votes in this country? I think they said they were pretty open. They they designed their campaign to win delegates, but they were not expecting to win. They they knew what they were up against. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. But like I, I just I just see I just have l- less faith in the American public. I guess when you see that like clearly the guy with the best message is not even close to sniffing. It, it's the best message to you. Yeah. Well, but to the vast majority, it's it's total rubberish. <laughs> the average person. That's what we're trying to change here on the show, James. You and me together. Right now, you're in uh, internet marketing, and you're in the podcast space. That's a, bro- I mean, that's a broad definition, right? But why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about your, well, I, I guess, lack of better terms, your business. I'm in the publishing business. The publishing business is not that much different than it was in the 1700s, 1800s, early 1900s. The modalities have changed drastically, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the, the basic uh, product is the same thing as mm-hmm. it was in Ben Franklin's time when he's publishing in Philadelphia. It's, it's not that much different. The, what has changed is how the message is disseminated. Like I specialize in podcasts right. and I've done audio books. I, I haven't done anything in print, but it's the, it, it, when you get right down to it, you're, you're building a personality brand and it doesn't matter how it's disseminated. The, the, the main business is essentially the same as it has always mm-hmm. been. So right. I, th- I think people get caught up in the newness of some of the, the internet things. I, it baffles me how people get, they're consumed with search engine optimization. Yeah, you mentioned that actually in your email the, in your email the other day. And uh, I, I would, we'll have a link to have you sign up for James' email in the, in the show notes. But you mentioned that in your, <laughs> in your email the other day. It's like, I, man, I'm glad I signed up for this guy's email because this is, what everybody says and nobody admits. People people are like, if we don't have SEO, we're going to go bankrupt. We have to have Google AdWords and we have to have this and we have to have that if we're going to stay relevant. And the truth of the matter is you can pour tens of thousands of dollars into this campaign, that campaign, and then you'll end up on page three of Google. If you're lucky, you may as well not exist. What you need to focus on is your message. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that you're, the hill that you're willing to die on, what is the thing that you will risk everything that, that means something to you? Mm-hmm. Say that. That will get people's attention. Th- those things that are on the first page of Google, one, they're all sponsored. And two, if they're lucky enough to get there, they, they're loaded with ads and they have more ads than actual content. And it's worthless. I have a hard time figuring out what search engine is the best anymore. Duck, duck, go. I started with... Okay, I started with Google, went to DuckDuckGo, and then um, recently I've been doing Brave, but I I run into problems with all of them because of the 
the throttling and or ability to like kind of get through. But I'm I'm an Alta Vista man myself. With DuckDuckGo? Well, I I know I I I took DuckDuckGo off of my uh, computer. I still have it on my phone, I guess, but I took it off my computer because of uh, the CEO came out like a month, a few months ago, and said said something about they were going to censor disinformation or some crap like that. So, oh, that's not good. I've, I've been trying other things out, and I, I kind of hop between, like I said, DuckDuckGo, Chrome, and Brave, Google, and Brave. But what ends up happening, like you're saying, is you end up getting a lot of ads anyway, yeah. or a lot of articles that ha- hit all the keywords. And then you're like, God, what? Mm-hmm. I, I just wasted five minutes yep. kind of yeah. deciphering this. And I don't know, there, there's got to be a better way out there. And I've- the thing with SEO is, is you're focusing on people that have not discovered you yet. Like right. you, you are banking on people who have no idea that you exist finding you. That is your strategy. Yeah, You are far yeah. better off creating a brand, creating a brand and having a really crystal clear message that solves a problem and then telling your yeah. and, t- and telling your mom about it who will tell her friends tell people close right. to you that's how all advertising has ever worked is word of mouth yeah. and that's lost in yeah. this mess of SEO well I, I got two things to say on that one you kind of say with your work on podcasts it's primarily word of mouth right if I'm oh yeah yeah, that's how, that's how you've gotten your business, and then and then two, you also said I don't know if it's a mantra of yours, but you say make a living at what you're good at. So if you're good at this thing, this thing that you're telling people about, well, it's gonna it's gonna emerge that yeah, you are gonna get that word of mouth, and people are gonna tell you because you've created this personality for yourself or your business or or whatever. It's a, it has a image, in other words. I've seen people who play the accordion, you know, Weird Al's instrument, and they can play Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor on the accordion, and it's stunning. Mm. And these Mm -hmm. people make their living playing the accordion. So don't say that this can't be done. If you have passion, people are attracted to passion, and it doesn't matter what the modality is. People Mm. love the passion. That's what they find attractive. And you were... a musician yourself, trumpet, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And you've been a trumpet player your entire life? I started when I was eight, and I'm now okay. 46, so, so I'd say okay. pretty much my entire life. My trumpet podcast is, that's really the reason that I still play trumpet. And that's how you started podcasting too, correct? I got into podcasting in 2015. The very first show was like a general interest, and it was just me just talking just kind of finding my voice. I realized if I'm going to build an audience, I need to find a more focused niche. And so I focused on my instrument, trumpet. That was in 2016 and here coming up on 2023, still going. Yeah, you played you played the trumpet. You were you were in the army. That's right. I, I know a little bit about it and we'll get to it more, but uh, so you were in the army band? Yep. Playing the trumpet, yeah. like that's how you, that's how you got into the army, or they recruited you to play the trumpet, or how did that work? I first joined the military when I was uh, I was recruited when I was in high school. I was the like the star player in the school band, and okay. if I was going to be in the military, there I wouldn't do anything other than music because that that was just that was what, what was important to me. And so I did four years and then got out, went back in ten years later. Not my best move, but. It is what it is. So you, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned uh, that you were on a podcast with Tom several years ago, and it was probably about this this story that I mean, I guess we can talk about getting back out of the military. And I, I don't know, we'll we'll have, we'll have that show with Tom in the show notes. 
the basic outline, what I know is he got out of the uh, army uh, as a conscientious conscientious objector. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe not. It was like an administrative type of separation. So it wasn't officially. They have this whole process of leaving the military. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't like your job or if you find certain aspects of your civilian job morally objectionable, you just put in your mm-hmm. two weeks or you come to an agreement with your employer and say, I, I can't I can't do this anymore and I'm going to I'm going to go bail hay. The military is very different. Once you once you sign your your name on on the contract, it is set in stone. I mean, you 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 can't get out of it. Yeah, they more more or less own like own you, lack of better terms. Like it's not it's not much different than that, right? GI is is short for government issue. So I'm sure. If yeah. if I mean and if you sign then they they own you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you don't have civil rights. It it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound as draconian as we're making it out to be, but 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 they, they but they really do for all intents and purposes. But there is a whole process, and there's actually a whole regulation that's a hundred pages long on how to exit the military as a conscientious objector. Then the means that I did was not illegitimate. It wasn't dishonest. It wasn't unethical. I, I followed the rules. Ultimately, it was we ju- we just found a way because the process was taking uh, an exorbitant amount of time which was adding a lot of stress to my life and and whatnot but so we found we found like an administrative way to do it so i didn't leave with the designation from the military as a conscientious objector but who really cares you know if if putting your your uniform on in the morning causes you cognitive dissonance at every moment that your uniform is on you don't you don't even care what rank you are anymore so like i said earlier i i rejoined the military at this point i had been employed by the birch society and I had, okay. had educated myself quite a bit, and I listened to Ron Paul talking about uh, blowback at the famous yeah. uh, conve- or the uh, debate in South Carolina, which uh-huh. put him on the map, and that opened my eyes to a lot. So I was already had a lot of concerns about the military, the, the American military in particular, being a like right. this global police force. And you, you didn't want to be part. You didn't want to be part of a global police force. I, I think I rationalized it at the time, saying, "Well, I'm I'm playing my instrument. This is doing uh-huh. doing this for my musical career, and that and that rationalization worked for okay. a time. But it came got to a point where it was uh, it, it just wasn't compatible with my beliefs. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Tom, reading Lou Rockwell. Mm-hmm. The word that they use, and this is an actual word in the military regulation. It is crystallize." Like you can have us, you can have an objection to something, but over time, it either weakens or it solidifies. And in my case, my okay. convictions crystallized to the point it. where it was just I, I couldn't respect myself to be in the army. And you were overseas at the time, huh? Yeah, when I did the paperwork, I was in Korea, which added to the stress. Yeah, and then and you talked in more in detail uh, with Tom on on this whole on this whole thing and I, it, it's uh funny because you you mentioned that you were you told me that you're conscious of objector to the army and i'm like god i remember a tom wood show with a guy that was a conscious objector i wonder if, what james I'm, I'm thinking like what i wonder what james thinks about this guy well and it, it turns out you. it was me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was you <laughs> there have been a few so, i think the pavonis were on his show a while okay. back and then i talked about my story a little bit so you get into podcasting we'll kind of yada yada throw it 
and you now have a podcast that is pr- fairly regular, mm-hmm. call, and you call it Ba Voshtan. That's correct. My my wife is Persian, and Voshtan is a word, I think the closest word in English would be the Christian word righteousness. Like if you're, if you, if you have a religious faith and you think of the word righteousness, what does that mean to you? Like conviction, integrity, you're honest, uh, you're just, you're just, you go about your business with intention. You have mm-hmm. a purpose. Uh, loosely translated, that's Voshtan in Persian. And my wife and I, we're, she just got to the U.S. from Vietnam. We just got her green card. She was over there, and I was over here, and we did a little podcast together. We didn't, weren't trying to build an audience. We just did it because we liked it. I realized, you know, we did this just so we could keep our bond together. Mm-hmm. But my wife is a smart girl. She's smart. Like, why is she married to me? <laughs> type of thing. I realized we have we have a tremendous potential to monetize this thing because people are desperate for the type of, uh, and I say this with all humility, they're desperate for integrity because you see very little of it in our culture and, and we can meet a need. No, I agree. And I, I find it, pretty interesting you say that because i've i've been talking with a few people about you know not that i'm any good at what i do but i'm i'm working on it and i came across one of your podcasts the other day it's from it's from may i believe i listened to the whole thing it, it's it, the title is how people make money with podcasts and i thought your explanation of this was very good because you know, at the beginning, I guess I will expose myself a little more. You know, when I kind of started down this internet marketing uh, path, it was several years ago, and I just wasn't particularly consistent at it. And I started being more consistent about it a, a, a little over a year ago, and then really got back into podcasting only a few months ago. But my point being is that your explanation on how to how people make money with podcasts the the initial reaction is like oh i got to get ads i need i need people to plug in my ads and they need to pay me for talking it's like you had the realization long before i did and it's a very calm and sane realization that no what we need to do is you need to develop who you are and you need to develop your voice and so I'm like, oh, I guess that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I have all these people on my show because I didn't have a direction necessarily of wh- where I wanted to go. People's like, oh, what, are, what's your podcast about? Like, I, I don't know. I'm just gonna have a bunch of people on that are interesting to me, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But really, I've kind of tailored it uh, to lately. Anyhow, is that all these very interesting people from the Tom Woods realm? James gave me this idea. Just set up a website with with all those interviews. I was like, okay, great idea. That's what I'm going to do. Thanks for your uh, consulting. And uh, it's it, I bought it. It's now uh, who is in the tomwoodsworld.com. Who is in the Tom Woods world definitely exceeds the three-syllable threshold. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> That's what Google says is the requirement for an effective the S- SEO people. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've talked about Google already on this project, but so anyway, how, how people make money with podcasts? We're working on it. I'm I'm kind of gone, I've kind of retrenched. I'm back to just trying to create a good <clears throat> podcast, a good newsletter, mm-hmm. uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna go from there. But I think that's the first step that people often skip. The first step. Best way I can answer that is 
you make money with a podcast by building an audience and then you sell stuff to them. And just like I said, that's publishing going yeah, back right. millennia. Right. Yeah. And we're, that's, we're trying that's how you to make uh, money with it. Yeah. We're trying to build an audience here. And then, and then the challenge in, in this modern era is uh, sticking out because everybody's got a podcast. Mm-hmm. There's such a low threshold of a barrier of entry is so low. Everyone can do this. Like you're recording this in your garage or your spare bedroom. I'm in a corner of a very large living room recording mm-hmm. this. And mm-hmm. this is how I've done my shows for, for years. So everyone has one. And the challenge is, how do you stick out? Mm-hmm. Well, you stick out by being yourself, which is terrifying to people. We want to shun the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But in order to be effective, if you want to build an audience, you have to put the spotlight square on yourself. Right. Which is uncomfortable. It makes us feel like we're narcissists. We're arrogant jerks. But yeah. you're not if you do it the right way. Right. Like you you just introduced your show. I'm Brian O'Leary and this is the Brian this is the O'Leary review. Yeah. It's very subtle, but it's very powerful. Mm. And just doing these little interviews that you're doing, you're making yourself a leader in the Tom Woods school of life. Like mm. you are becoming the the conduit by how other School of Life members get to know each other. It's really impressive. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, you had the idea, and then you acted on it. People, we, we love to overcomplicate things, but it's, it's really not as difficult as just getting people interested in what you have to say. Yeah. Say, saying it in a way that's entertaining, fun to listen to, and then sell stuff to them. I give all the credit to like you and everybody else who's, who's come on the show because they're the interesting ones. I'm just kind of like trying to elicit more talking there. You guys to talk more about like how interesting your life is, because I'm trying to learn from everybody else. I'm 45 years old, too. I'm starting over again for the several of time, if that's a word. You're Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan <laughs> had the charisma of a bag of sawdust. <laughs> but he's how the world got to know the Beatles. Yeah. It was through his show. He was the conduit yeah. between these great entertainers and the public so yeah never never don't don't discount what you're doing just because you have a small audience it's very important what you're doing well tell us what the podcast Bob Oshdan uh what you're what you're trying to do now with that I know you started out as just kind of a banter between not a banter but um, a conversation really between you and your wife long distance but um, is that kind of your main focus? What we want to do with this, well, what I want to do with this Bob Oshdan, I don't know if she's on board with it yet, but just interview people who just approach their life or their career with integrity, intention. They show Voshdan in mm-hmm. their life. I, I like that because it doesn't box us into, we have to talk about this and we have to talk about this topic. We can talk about any topic. Tom Woods does his work with Voshtan. Uh, a liberal Democrat might do their work with Voshtan, even though I don't disagree or uh, I don't agree with them on a lot of political things. But if they have one thing where they are solid, like Tulsi Gabbard is a great mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. We, you and I would disagree with her on a lot of key things, but she's really solid and she's very principled when it comes to foreign policy. Yeah, I think that's how I 
see my al- allies in this world are what you said, princi- prim- principled people. Now you you can think whatever you want, as far as I'm concerned, base it on principles and like legitimate principles as opposed to emoting. I think oftentimes in this culture, people just emote. It's like, well, I, I don't really tell me what you think, not what you feel. And that's how we're going to get places down. You know, it, you know, if your feelings are hurt, well, sticks and stones, man. And uh, it seems like that that kind of thing is lost in the general culture uh, today. We just want to put a spotlight on that type of mentality with our show. And we can talk to anybody. That's a that's a great idea, and then I think with the other one of the other things you mentioned in this newsletter, and one of our I guess our problems in the internet marketing world, or maybe just people in general, is that we give too much credence to the the opinions of others. I, I'm not exactly sure if that was the the right wording. I, I have it here. It says, uh, "Yeah, giving much too credence to what people think about their show, business message, etc." And I, I thought that was right on the money because uh, we get we get bogged down like you're saying we get bogged down all the noise you know and, and the signal we don't want the signal to shine through well you take feedback with a grain of salt you consider the source if someone who is better than you and has been at it longer than you uh has some feedback for you you listen to them especially if you ask them for their feedback great example and so in this tom Woods school of life we have these webinars that go on uh at least usually once uh once a week or twice a month. And Tom Tom was the leader of this webinar last, I think it was last week. And several months ago, he asked for writing samples. And so I sent him in a writing sample. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this piece is any good, but if you're looking for samples, here, here you go. Like I, I worked pretty hard on it. Like I like the message, but I'm not really sure if the writing's that good. Um, and so I didn't realize that this would come out three months later or whatever, but, uh, but he picked my sample for the webinar. He didn't use names or anything, but it was mine. And the, the interesting thing is like every, everything he had to say about, he critiqued it pretty good and everything he had to say, I totally agreed with because I, it was like one of these things I couldn't get over that, that hump or whatever. I, you know, I, I knew that it was clunky and weird, but, uh, I just wrote it and I sent it off. It was part of my daily newsletter, but it got picked up by LouRockwell.com. And like two days later, it was on Lou Rockwell front page. And and I'm like, I don't even like the message is good, but I, I just kind of feel a little, uh, I don't know, about the my, my writing. And then in this webinar, uh, Tom you know, pointed out all the, all the flaws. And I talked to him later and he's like, well, actually your piece was really good, but like, I can't do, I can't say that in the, in the, uh, webinar when we're critiquing writing. Uh, so the message, he said, the message was good, but yeah, you, I mean, you're, you're pretty good, but work on this. And so I do like, that's my deal. I'm, I work on the stuff that my mentors tell me I need to work on. Yes. And, and you specifically sought his feedback yes, on correct. your writing. Correct. Well, I think the context of that that I was thinking of when I wrote that and that you're mentioning now is someone out of the clear blue sky. Right. Some random Twitter jerk starts to launch in India. Or it could, it could be someone who listens to your show or mm-hmm. reads your email or whatever, whatever the, however you get your message out. And then you think, oh my God, everybody thinks that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to change this. I have oh. to change that. That's where it gets to be really you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you think 
one person represents everybody. They don't. Yeah. That's just one person's opinion. If by some lucky chance they're actually respectful on the internet, mm-hmm. then great. But most of the time, you say thank you for your time. If they're idiots, you can use that as fodder for your next email. Mm-hmm. Say, check out what, what uh, somebody had a really bad day or whatever you say. And so yeah, yeah. You, you, you make fun of them. You, right. you use it as, as banter for your next content. You can't get so riled up with one comment and think that that represents the totality of who's listening to you. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Most, most people don't care. And then the one person that does care and is negative, so what? They're having a bad day. Monetize your haters. I think people hear that and they're like, okay, bring it on. And then they get right. one person that says one thing that's remotely negative and like, oh, I've got a hater. I've got a hater. Yes. I've been waiting so long for a hater. Now I'm going to take this person. I'm going to humiliate them. I'm going to burn them on the stake. Well, it works. It works kind of for people with bigger followings. If I, if you have few thousand followers, it's, it works because you have your bulk of your audience is people who really like you. But if the percentages go down and you have a couple hundred people and you start taking on haters, well, you, you might you might get swallowed up by the troll farm. Yeah. And you don't want to be the one that's perceived as the one that's mentally imbalanced either. Yes. So you just you have to do it the right way. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's, there is a the nuance into uh, monetizing here. <laughs> exactly. There has to be you have to know what you're doing and more importantly, why you're doing it. Yeah. And too many, too many people just think Tom Woods humiliated somebody on Twitter and that's, that's going to be how I do it. And mm-hmm. that may not necessarily work out for you. I don't know. I don't know how into sports you are, but um, like I said, I used to have a sports podcast and we'll still do kind of hibernation. There's a sports writer for the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. A lot of these guys now, to be transparent, of who they vote for, they take a picture of their ballot and put it on Twitter. This one sports writer put his ballot on there. And it was just like an insane ballot of who he picked uh, and who he didn't pick. But so I, I said, what a pud. Blocked. <laughs> yeah, I got blocked by this guy. But then yesterday he broke some news. Yesterday, as I'm recording this with James, where Aaron Judge was going to the San Francisco Giants for a giant contract. I wake up this morning, Aaron Judge signs for nine years, 360 million or something like for, with the Yankees. And I'm like, okay, legitimate. Uh, my criticism of the, the guy is like, just whatever. I mean, it's too, it's too bad. I mean, I think generally the, the media as we, and that's, I don't know, not necessarily on topic, but the media in general these days is, uh, or I don't know, these days, it's kind of always been that way. They, they haven't really been the most top-notch people and but we 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 trust them as if they are same thing i, I think goes with school teachers and uh government officials and all this stuff like they're, they're way better than us. they're not like they're these are these are people that i don't know what it is about them but it's just that they're like in general they're not impressive people but they're in a position that that makes them by default I don't know. It's an it's interesting, a, it's, interesting can of worms you're opening. Yeah, maybe for maybe we put a bookmark in it if uh, for another podcast down the down the line because I think we're running out of time here. Quickly, I, I wonder if some of those people though they they agree with you. There's nothing special about me, but everybody puts me on a pedestal. Maybe there is something special about me. I wonder about the psychology of that. That is, yeah, that'd be yeah. interesting. That'd be interesting to explore how that type of influence and power 
changes a person's perception of themselves. So you're in the podcast space. And again, like we talked about internet marketing, broad, broad definition uh, of what podca- uh, the podcast space is. But you have your own podcasts, but really your kind of success in the realm, helping other people get better at their podcasts. From what I understand, from what I understand, because like I've only known you for a few weeks, your body of work uh, lends credence, respectability for like what you do on your, you know, for for your own brand. But but the whole point of how you got to where you are, I believe, is just to is that you're you're helping other folks or clients create much better shows for themselves. The way that I got into my current business. I think it was March or April of 2018, basically responded to what amounts to a help wanted ad on a Facebook group that I belong to. Okay. And it said, uh, Ben Greenfield needs an audio editor. If you don't know Ben Greenfield, I think the people that listen to this and have this mindset, they should check him out because he's great. Okay. And I actually tried to get Tom on Ben's show, and for reasons unbeknownst to me, Tom declined. Mm. So, Tom, if you're listening... Get on Ben's show. He'd be good for you. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to put that out there. Right. Now, um, Ben is highly influential in the realm of health and fitness. I had never heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just got on that show or, you know, in that supporting role. And I just treated it like it was my own. Okay. I just said, this is this is my show. It's not my show, but I treated yeah. it like yeah. if I was, this is my show and I'm going to, I just hit it out of the park. And I say this with all humility. I really did a really good job on it. A couple of years after this, I did a uh, another service for him. And part of the comp- uh, compensation for the service that I did was for him to promote my business okay. on his show. All right. And that's how I that's how I got the current clients that I have now. So this thing with Ben was a one like a one off deal, or did you you had an ongoing? If you want an example of a great way to do a podcast, uh-huh. study Ben Greenfield. Okay, my goodness. The guy has a loyal, rabid fan base. Okay. People will listen to whatever he recommends. Uh, If you're looking for inspiration for how to do a podcast, listen to Ben Greenfield. Okay. That's how I got into it. I don't do any advertising. Mm -hmm. It's 100% beyond that that shout out on, on that one show. People talk about, who does your podcast? Oh, James does a great job. You need to call him. Okay. And that's how I that's how I get my business. You say you don't do any advertising, but I, I want to bring this back to the internet marketing. You, you, you have call to action in your email newsletters, I would I would imagine, about your your own business. So that I mean essentially it's not traditional advertising, but you say like in the you're in the you're a publisher. You're not a tradition you know, not doing traditional publishing, but you're also not doing traditional advertising. Well, it's word of mouth. I mean, that's the best kind of advertising. What chiropractor are you going to choose? Somebody who's got a great ad on, on, on the web, or somebody that somebody that you know, like and trust has recommended. You got it. Your back hurts. You got to go to this guy mm-hmm. or this girl. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to choose? You're going to go with, with what your friend recommends. Right. That's the way route that I've taken with my advertising is just do a bang up job for the people that I serve, and then they're just naturally when the conversation goes to their podcast, they're going to say. There's nobody else I would recommend other than James. So James, are you? Are and you, it's worked. Yeah, and and we're you're still you're still doing it. And we can provide, like I said, I'm going to provide uh, links for James's newsletter and website in uh, in our show notes. And then you can, if you're sure. look if you're looking for that stuff, it's interesting too to me. Well, I said, said if you're looking uh, 
for help in that realm uh, for your podcast, just contact James. But, you know, I've been thinking about like, oh, man, what, what am I going to do? What, what's my product? What's my product? I thought like, well, I, I kind of do a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, James. I, I, I produce my own podcast and I don't really know what I'm I mean, I, I know what I'm doing, but I just learn by watching videos and reading articles and stuff like and trial and error big time. It's caused yeah. me cost cost me a lot of days of my life just in front of the computer and uh, potential carpal tunnel syndrome in the future. But yeah, so I, when you joined when you joined our group, I'm like, that is exactly what I thought I wanted to do. But I know he's way better than I'll ever be at this. So I'm just going to keep on doing my own thing and just concentrate on my my own stuff and let let James take on all the people that I'm just going to put push people towards James. Mm. That was my that was my initial thought when you joined the group, and I, I mean, this first time we've actually talked about it. But uh, put yourself in situations, I guess, is my point. Yeah, you you are your product. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are the product. Mm. More people need to think that way. Mm-hmm. Tom Woods is the product of Tom Woods. Sure, it's not the message. It's not libertarianism. It's Tom. Yeah, he's a personality brand, and your brand is JNS Media. My wife's name is Sana, mm-hmm. and my keyboard shortcut on my iPhone. To type in James and Sana is JNS. Oh. And so that's how I got the name of the business, JNS Media. There you go. I like it. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to plug or talk to us about? And we got a couple minutes left here. Shameless plug. If, you're, if you want to work with me for podcasts, go to podcastartistry.com. If you, if you know a trumpet player who is looking for uh, a podcast to listen to, trumpetdynamics.com. Do you teach? You teach on that podcast? I haven't had a chance to listen to it. It's not really teaching per se, but sometimes people will they'll they'll share something. But the main emphasis is not like pedagogy mm-hmm. or anything like okay. that. Uh, and then the link for our Bavoshdan podcast is voshdan.com. That's v o j d a n dot com. Okay. And I hate social media, so don't even ask. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. I won't. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, so I'll have all the links and uh, and all that stuff in in our show notes. Just go from there, I guess. And James, I, I really appreciate spending the time with us here and giving me some advice as we went through your life. We'll touch base here soon enough, huh? Yeah.